Well, good morning. Welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. This Sunday, we're once more looking at the characters from Jesus' birth. And today, we cover two of the most critical encounters in the infancy narrative, which is the message of the angels to Mary and Joseph. We will examine how God's interruption in the lives of Mary and Joseph was received with both humility and obedience, and we'll challenge ourselves to seek to do the same. Thanks for joining us again as we seek to follow God's plan by holding on to Jesus. All right, be honest now. Are any of you like me, the kind when you're watching a football game, you yell at the TV? Anybody out there? Yeah. I was, I was talking to Marvin uh, before the service. Uh, uh, there, was, there was a game yesterday that had our blood pressure getting raised a little bit. But, um, you know, it's a little bit easier, not just when you're watching the TV, but when you're coaching football. I got to be a coach uh, for my son's team. And by being the coach, it's not just a matter of wishing that the offense would do something a little bit differently. You actually can make those decisions. Uh, although it's not quite the same for the players on the field. I can remember um, quite a few different times where I would call a play out into the huddle and the quarterback would let the team know and they would execute it. And I'm not sure that was the play that they wanted, but I had a whole scheme behind it. I had a whole reason why. I remember one time in particular that one of the kids wanted a timeout. Now you can imagine running up and down a field wears you out. You'd like to have a little breather from time to time, but I needed to save the timeout and I couldn't take it at that moment. How do you think the players like that idea, like that decision? They, they disagreed with the, the will and the plan of the coach, but I had a purpose. Even if they didn't understand it, I had a reason behind it. This is a good analog as we look into our life following the plan of the great coach, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church, that we, if we are collectively in the spirit of God, together will be single-minded according to his purpose and his will, and I'm sure in all of your lives, that's what it always looks like, right? God's never changing your plans ever. Any amens, right? No? No, you know what it's like. You know what it's like to have made plans for what you wanted to see happen, the timing, the cost, the energy that be required. You had a plan, and then God does what with your plan? Yeah. Have you heard the saying before? Uh, in, in, on earth, man makes his plans, but in heaven, God laughs. <laughs> Has a little chuckle about the, the human planning. Yeah, if, if we're not careful, uh, if we're not holding our plans, all the while allowing God to interject his will to change them at any moment, you're going to find that it's going to be hard. Uh, it will even hurt in your lives. I, I'm reminded of an illustration like getting a, a rope burn. Have you ever had that happen when you held onto a rope a little too tightly and you, you probably shouldn't have? I remember one time helping my dad. I think we were pulling something out of a ditch and I had to hold the rope while he got in the truck and he took off and that rope, it, it broke off of what we were pulling and zipped right through my hands and gave me a nasty little burn through there. And the same thing is true when it comes to your plans, um, the direction of your life, what you thought everything was going to be like, if you hold too tight to that, you're going to find that it might hurt a little bit when God says, actually, there's a little bit of a different direction that I'm wanting to take things. There is nobody on earth, there's no humans who have ever lived who have experienced this in a more acute way than Mary and Joseph. Uh, they had plans and then God interrupted those plans. 
So what I'd like us to do here as we are continuing to, to, uh, on the theme of, of simply Jesus is to see how our ability to make sure that the one thing that we hold on to tightly is Jesus alone. And when you do, you'll never have risk of that rope burn of your plans being changed. But when it comes to everything else, folks, everything else in your life, we need to make sure that we are seeking God's purposes and his will when we decide to make our plans and chart the direction of our steps. With that in mind, we're going to look at two passages. And if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to Matthew 1. And we're going to do a little um, uh, activity that we regularly do at our Wednesday Bible study. We're going to look at another passage at the same time. So you're going to keep one finger in Matthew 1. And you're going to put another one over in Luke chapter 1. So you can flip between the two. Everybody ready for a little Bible gymnastics this morning? We're going to flip between two passages. We're going to read the story of the angel's encounter for God's revelation to Joseph. And then we're going to read the same story to Mary. As we do and study these this morning, uh, we're going to make a couple of observations and some conclusions to help us know how we can hold on to Jesus alone and seek God's will when we make our plans to be able to handle those interruptions from how we thought life should go. All right, Matthew chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 18. Matthew records... This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. All right, you can turn over to Luke chapter 1 now. And Mike, I thank you again for singing this morning and leading us from the perspective of Joseph, right? What was the main question? How can this be? How can this be? A king in his arms. Um, I think a really helpful perspective that we could, could hear from song uh, that heart of Joseph in that moment where he is obeying the angel's words. Let's now look at Mary's story as she encounters the angel as well. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. 
He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. She who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. All right. These are our two passages uh, this morning as we want to wrap our hearts around this perspective of these two individuals who have their lives changed in a way that nobody ever has. Um, A couple of unique observations that I want to offer to you today. The first is Mary and Joseph had plans. They absolutely had different plans. The text tells us in uh, back in Matthew 18, uh, Joseph was pledged to be married. We have the same message repeated again in Luke chapter 1, verse 27, that she was a virgin pledged to be married. You guys remember what that was like? Being pledged to be married? All right. Thankfully, my wife likes planning weddings. I do not. She had, that's right, you're getting some amens there. That's right. Um, Thankfully, she had all these little decorations. She had all the color schemes. She had the flowers thought up. All I had to do was show up. Amen. That's all I had to do, show up for the wedding. Can can you imagine back to then? Do you you remember what it was like when you were going to be married? All the plans you were making? We're going to have so many kids. We're going to have a dog and a cat. We're going to live in a house that's going to look like this. All those plans that you had. Mary and Joseph had those plans as well. First thing we're going to do is we're going to travel here and then we're going to go and we're going to work this. And I know you're good at that. And then we can work together. And all of these plans are coming about. And yet God's going to show up in the middle of all of their plans, not just with an unexpected pregnancy, but a very unique unexpected pregnancy. Uh, Second observation is right along those lines. Their plans were interrupted by God's purposes. (laughs) It's amazing. Uh, Mary has an angel that comes directly to her and tells her this amazing thing. Uh, Joseph, uh, were indicated in Matthew's gospel, finds out that she's pregnant before the Lord gives him the information. There's a great passage out of the Proverbs says that in his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord is the one that directs his steps. Mary and Joseph, they, they knew that verse. They know that all of the plans that they would make come subject to God's right and rule to change them at any time. But like this? I mean, who saw this coming? The the major question between the two is not shared. uh, Because as we look at the story, we we are more concerned about the question, who, right? Who is going to be born of Mary? Well, that's the son of God. And in fact, that's the angel's big question as well that, that he's delivering. He will, you will call his name Jesus. The, the who question is the one that the Bible uh, really delivers to us as Christians. Throughout the New Testament, we're given another answer to the question, and that's the why question. 
Well, why is God doing this? Well, the angel also delivers that because he will save his people from their sins. But Mary and Joseph weren't concerned about the who. They weren't concerned about the why. For Joseph, it was the what? <laughs> you're, you're what now? He couldn't believe it. He's trying to think, no, I know I didn't. No, you know, he's trying. How? I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Thankfully, in the text, we're given a picture of Joseph's heart, right? The Bible tells us nothing about his uh, career ambitions, but the Bible tells us about his character. Joseph, being a righteous man, he, he wants to follow God. And he knows something has happened here, and so he doesn't want to embarrass Mary either. So he plans to annul the whole arrangement here before the wedding bells ring and to do so quietly. Because it's the what question that he can't quite get his head around. And that's what the angel comes and answers. For Mary, it's a different question. Did you catch Mary's question? It's not the what. She, she believes that the angel's going to happen. For her, it's the how is this going to work? How, how is this going to happen? There's an amazing um, passage that's given to us in Luke. If, if you flip, if you've got your Bibles back and forth, there's one worth underlining in your Bible. I have it underlined in my Bible. This is Luke 1 verse 37. Look at this passage. For nothing is impossible with God. Do you need to hear hear that this morning? Anybody need that as a reminder today? Nothing is impossible with God. For Joseph, that solves the what. For Mary, that solves the how. And maybe you have some what's in your life. Maybe you have some how's in your life because God is interrupting you right now. I want you to remember Uh, Nothing, nothing is impossible for God. So the big question for you and I then today, (coughs) it's not so much a a what, a why, or a who. Uh, The question is, how do you know when God is interrupting your life? It's a good question, right? Um, Sometimes uh, the interruptions in your life, they might be your own fault. (laughs) How do you know when it's God who's doing the interrupting in your life. Well, the text gives us an obvious one and then some less obvious ones. The obvious one, and I'll just submit this for your own edification. If an angel comes to you with an announcement, that might be indicator number one. God's interrupting your life. Okay, so that's the easy one. If you have an angel appear to you, you might want to mark it down in your journal. I think God might be interrupting my life. But if that doesn't happen to you, How do you know that God's the one doing the interrupting? And I think I can help us uh, see this in two ways. Uh, Mary and Joseph, they believed God for two reasons. Number one, because they relied on God's word. How do you know if God's interrupting your life? Well, are you relying on God's word in your life? We, We see it in two ways. In Mary's life, we see it as the spoken word. Mary says at the end of verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. When she hears God's word spoken to her, her heart is of the kind of soil that absorbs the seed so that she receives it and listens and believes because she's not relying on sight. She's not relying on what physiology or biology makes sense. No, she relies on what God says. For Joseph, it's the written word. 
Not that he doesn't believe the angel in the dream, but if you look back with me in Matthew chapter 1, uh, you'll notice verse 22 helps us see a little indication of the convincing matter that con- um, convinced uh, Joseph. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. So again, this is God's word. It's what he said, but this is his written word. Verse 23, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I know Joseph. I know Joseph knows this passage. Any righteous man who is Jewish at this time is going to be familiar with the law and the prophets. This is a big help for him. I think the light bulb moment goes on in Joseph's mind. Wow, that's now. That's, that's what that's about right now. My wife is a virgin. Mary is a virgin. The one we're engaged to be married. We've not been together yet. And she's going to have a child? That's what God's word said was going to happen. I want to submit to you that for you and I to be able to have confidence, to know when God is interrupting our lives, this is point number one for you and me. How much are you relying on God's word in your life? Do you take time, not finding time, taking time to study and absorb and listen to God's word? And as you do, I would submit to you that what God will offer to you is the ability to discern when he decides to make a little bit of a turn in your plans, a little bit of a change You're going to say, oh, that's all right. I remember. I remember what God's word says to me. I've heard it spoken, and so I rely on it. I've read it, and I've studied it, and so God is good. Even if what I'm facing is something as impossible as like a virgin birth. Question, church, is that impossible for God? No. Let's let's get it all together. Is that impossible for God? No. No. Nothing's impossible for God. So as you and I would rely on his word alone... Uh, what you'll find is that you'll do a better job of recognizing his interruptions. There's another one that we see here, and that's that they honor God with their lives. Both Mary and Joseph are given indications from Luke and from Matthew of the character and the quality of their devotion to God. For Mary, it's repeated twice. She's found favor with God. This idea, this word favor, is one that corresponds to a life that is lived to honor God. And so the angel declares to her, you have favor. You have found favor with God. For Joseph, we see the same thing as mentioned already in verse 19 of Matthew chapter 1. Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. The the text would be betraying us in truth if in Joseph's life that was not an accurate reflection of how he honored God with his life. Well, what about you? Could the same be said of you? As God looks to you, not in a sinful state, not in your inability, but by your reception of God's spirit and following his word, do you honor him with your life? Do you honor him with your words? What about when no one's looking? What about those words that nobody reads in those text messages or in those little corners where there's only two people gathered? Or when you really kind of want to stick it to somebody and you know you have the opportunity, do you honor God? It's a good question for us to ask ourselves because if we're not following the pattern given to us in God's word, I would submit to you that God's going to interrupt your life and you might miss it. You might not be ready for it. 
Mary and Joseph didn't know it was coming, but they were ready for it because they believed God according to a reliance on his word and according to a life that is patterned after living for his will to honor him. So these being a few of the observations from our passage, I'd like to draw a few conclusions. Uh, The first is this. When you encounter God's interruption in your life, the first thing I want you to know is that you can count on God making a way through it. That's really good news for all of us today because um, you can't, but God can. Uh, There will come a moment in your life where God will bring you to a position of reliance on him, dependence on him. And the good news for you and I, as we see patterned for the lives of Mary and Joseph, is that God will make a way. He will take care of it. There's a past. This actually is not in scripture. It sounds like it is, though. Uh, I still think it's pretty true. Um, I learned this on the mission field. One of my mentors would say, this too shall pass. Has anyone heard that before? This too shall pass. It's a, it's, a, it's a theology that's driven from God's word and the fact that we are like the grass of the field that grows and withers, right? So whatever it is you're facing, there's a temporary nature to it. For good or for bad, this too shall pass. What you and I need to watch for is God's hand at work in the middle of it because he's going to make a way for you. Think, think of the examples throughout the Old Testament. Abraham is going to seek to honor God with his life. God says, I want you to sacrifice your one son, Isaac. What does Abraham do? He does it. Because he believes who, what's God going to do? God's going to make a way. He, he, he promised, the book of Hebrews helps us understand this, that as Abraham was going to kill Isaac, he believed, he reasoned in his heart by faith that God would do what for his dead son, Isaac, on the altar? Would raise him back to life. God made his promise through the seed given. That was Isaac. This is God's word. So I guess, God, you're going to do something amazing. But he's going to make a way. And yet, Abraham never had to do it because God provided another sacrifice. God made a way right in that moment. Think about Moses. Moses here, not wanting to speak to Pharaoh, not wanting to mess with any of that, by obedience goes to Pharaoh, let my people go. And there, finally, after all of the difficulty with Pharaoh. They're marching and before them is an ocean. A Red Sea. Well, I hope you guys brought your swimmies because looks like that's either you're going to die by the hand of Pharaoh's army or we're going to get wet and yet what does God do? They didn't have to swim. God made a way. How many other stories do we have in the Old Testament of David crying out, Lord, the enemies surround me on all sides, and yet God makes a way? Church, I want you to be encouraged this morning that God will make a way for you. I think if I, if I wanted to go a little bit longer this morning, we could take the microphone and just pass it around, and I think we would all really benefit from hearing the stories in our lives of how God has proved this true. It's true in my life. I could give you, I could give many stories. I hope that this is true in your life. And if it is, if this conclusion is accurate, as we see in Joseph's life and in Mary's life, I want you to, I want you to put it in your heart as a, as a hanger, like a, like a door hanger, something that you can lay your burden on. Something that you can rely on and remember, even though what I'm facing right now, even though what I'm going to face tomorrow might be difficult for me. You know what? God made a way before. He will make a way again for nothing is impossible for him. Amen.
All right, number two, uh, when you encounter a divine interruption, you can expect that God is doing something incredible. This is what a divine interruption means. This, for me, by the way, has been helpful because a lot of times within ministry, the interruptions that I get are of the kind that I think derail God's plan. Because hopefully if I'm doing my job, I'm trying to follow God's plan. And if it looks like things aren't going to go right, that's kind of, I mean, I'm sure it bothers you when it happens to you. It bothers me when it happens to me until I remember, oh yeah, God's doing something. This isn't on me. He's the one who's at work here. And the more that I remember this in my life, the easier it is for me to just to let go and then to enjoy life and to know that it's going to be okay. When I was uh, in college, I sold books uh, door to door, which is a terrible job. And you get a lot of doors slammed in your face. And after one week of not selling anything, I called home crying because <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> And, uh, and after talking with my dad, he kind of helped. But then I called my director back at the headquarters, and I just told him, I don't think I can do this. And I was staying with two other guys, and they both gave up. They, weren't, they were done, so they were no encouragement to me. And I can remember my uh, di- director's confidence. Here, here's what he told me. He said, Ryan, why do you need the money for this? Why are you so upset over this? And it was because I couldn't pay my college bill unless I made money this summer. And I wasn't making any money. So for me, it looked like my whole future was like unraveling it this summer. He said, all right, Ryan, I'll make a deal with you. How much do you need? I, th- I think it was something like $6,000 was what I, what I was trying to make. He said, I will write a check right now today in your name for $6,000. Here it is. It's in my office. I will give it to you at the end of the summer. If all you do is what we taught you to do, just go to the next door, give them the sales pitch, take their order if they want. If they don't, go on to the next one. That's all you need to do. Your money is taken care of. And I remember being on the phone. I totally remember this. A little pay phone in Missouri. <sighs> and I thought, that really solves my anxiety because it's, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be taken care of. So I kind of caught my breath and I said, all right, I'll go. I, I, I didn't take the deal, but I believed in his confidence. And by the end of the summer, I had made double what he was willing to write a check for simply by virtue of knowing it was going to be okay. It was going to be taken care of. Church, it's going to be okay. Whatever you're facing, whatever interruption is in your life, it's going to work out. Uh, this <laughs> it's a little more um, funny. Uh, we don't have cable to watch the Packers at my house, so we watch it on a YouTube app, YouTube TV. And because of that, because of the... Um, Compression. There's a little bit of a delay in the stream. So the, the real world game is happening, and I'm actually watching it about two or three minutes behind. Well, I get, uh, if, you, if you watched the game yesterday, you know it did not look good. Didn't look good. Things did not, weren't going the way. Uh, I, I was up pacing back and forth, asking God for a Christmas present, which I probably shouldn't have been. But then I got a text from my mom, which was a quote from Wayne Larravee saying, there's your Christmas dagger. If you know anything about the Packers, you know that means something good happened. How did something good happen? I'm watching it happen right here. She's three minutes in the future. Do you know how I felt in that moment? I felt great. I no longer had any anxiety because I knew it was going to be okay. That's a silly illustration, right? It meant a lot to me yesterday. Thank you, mom. 
Listen, church. God's three minutes ahead of you. He is. In fact, God's three days ahead of you. He's three weeks ahead of you. He's seeing the whole thing go down. I want you to rest today without having to pace back and forth in your life with anxiety, praying, God, you got to fix it. He's got this. And he is doing something incredible. One last note on this particular observation, because I was careful to choose the word incredible and not um, a word that would convey to you that it's going to go the way you want it to go. Do you remember the story of Simeon that we looked at a couple Sundays ago? Simeon receives Jesus and then he blessed the parents there in the temple and then he spoke directly to Mary. Do you remember this? He said that he will call the uh, destined the rising and falling of many in Israel and that a sword will pierce your own soul too. How do you think Mary felt about that little nugget? Was God still doing something incredible? Absolutely. Even though that was going to be something that was going to be difficult for Mary, God was still at work. And this is what we need to know today. Just because God's doing something incredible doesn't mean you might like it, but it means you can rest in it because he is good and everything he does is good. Amen? All right, I mean, a lot of amens from you guys today. I appreciate that. Let's, let's wrap this up. Two that go together here. When you encounter a divine interruption in your life, your response must be obedience, which is easy. Obedience often isn't easy, but it is easy here when you decide to hold on to simply Jesus. Now, you've got to remember that for Mary and Joseph, obedience was in the face of absurdity. Raise your hand if anyone in your family has ever had a virgin birth. Oh, not a very common thing to have happen, right? Uh, The same was true for Mary and Joseph. So don't think that obedience is just no problem for them. That that was, it was in the, their obedience was in the face of absurdity. A virgin birth? That's never happened. That's absurd. And yet they obeyed. And God will make this easier for you and I to do when we are holding on to simply Jesus. And I wanted to make sure I put this in here because this is the same name that was given for Joseph. Right? You read it? You will give him the name Jesus and to Mary. And the angel said, and you will give him the name Jesus. Do you remember what Jesus means? It's a Hebrew word that's a connection. Yeshua or Joshua, as we say today. Yah is the prefix here for the covenant-keeping name of God. Yahweh and Yasha, the verb that means saves. It means God saves. That's what they're holding to. They're holding to the same thing you and I need to hold to. The person of Jesus Christ, who is the God who keeps his promise to save. And if you hold on to that, it'll be easier to obey And that needs to be your response when God makes these interruptions into your lives. So what do you and I, what do we do with this? Well, looking at Mary's life and Mary's response, looking at Joseph's life and Joseph's response, number one is we need to live according to God's will. Mary found favor with the Lord because she was walking with the Lord. Joseph was a righteous man because he ordered his life to honor God. Make sure you're doing the same thing. You'll be really bad at it if you just try in your own flesh to do it. But as you 
rely on God's word that has been spoken and that is read, you'll be able to do this. Order your life. Live according to God's will. Number two, and this is an important one, make your plans with an open hand. You still need to make plans. God doesn't want you to leave church today and be like, wipe the calendar clean. We don't know what's going to happen now. That's not why he put you here. He put you here to be a steward of working out his purpose and will. So he expects you to make plans. You just need to make sure that when you have those plans, you don't grip them too tight because it's going to hurt when he changes them. But you leave them with an open hand, giving God the freedom to come in at any point and make changes. And by the way, if you don't do that, you're going to stress everybody else out around you. Like anytime it's got to be your way, just the way you want it to go to the rest of us who don't get that, you really wear us out. So you'll be doing all of us a favor. You'll be doing yourself a favor if you learn to make plans with an open hand. The Bible teaches us this in the New Testament, a wonderful verse. I know some of you are thinking this already out of James chapter 4. James says to the church, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this and that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. I mean, these are planners right here. These are the type of people with the um, you know, calendar apps, you know, bloop, 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 all the notifications. I mean, that's what these guys are doing. Watch what James says. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. Um, This little saying right here is really popular in the Caribbean where we served. All the Christians that we'd always work with, it's just brought up in the churches that they say, if the Lord wills, if the Lord wills, if the Lord wills. It's just something they say all the time when we're making plans. So um, it's a really good posture of your heart, though, to remember. If this is God's will, yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. If this is God's will, it'll be the way we planned it to be. But if it's not... And I need to make sure that I hold my plans with an open hand. Number three, like Mary and Joseph, uh, you and I need to hold tightly. Hold on tightly to simply Jesus. And I want to conclude this morning by giving you a picture of three minutes from now. Three days from now. Three weeks from now. I don't, I don't know when, but I know it's in the future. And so you are going to find yourself with rope burns, spiritual rope burns in your life. If you hold on to anything but Jesus. And the reason is because this is what Jesus says about himself and the witness from the New Testament. I just included a couple of the verses. You'll get it real quickly. Paul says to the church in Thessalonica. But you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. 2 Peter 3.10, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Revelation 3.3, Jesus says, I come, I will come like a thief. 16.15, I will come like a thief. Matthew 24.43, but know this, that if the master of the house had known at what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house get broken into. Just make sure you're not thinking Jesus wants to be a criminal. That's not what this is. (laughs) The picture of a thief is the picture that's given to you and I of that failure to be prepared. A thief does not come when you're expecting. 
let me rephrase it. Really bad thieves only come when you're expecting it, right? But thieves come when you don't expect it. Paul helps us with an important passage here in 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 through 6. He says, but you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that the day should surprise you like a thief. It's not going to surprise us. Amen? It's not going to surprise us. You're all children of the light and children of the day. We don't belong to the night or the darkness. So then let us not be like the others who are asleep. Let us be awake and sober. That's that first verse. That's the first conclusion, right? That you plan your life. You live according to God's will. You make your plans with an opening hand, open hand. Let God come in at any moment and then make sure that you hold on to Jesus because church, he is coming again. And he is coming in a day when people are not going to expect him. When the world around you is saying, peace, safety, let's keep buying junk for one another. Let's go traveling. Let's build buildings. When the world starts saying that, you can rest assured those are the days of Noah. Really close to the return of your king. So you don't be in darkness like them. Live as children of the light. And you can do so when you hold on to Jesus only. This is a lesson in my own life that I'm continually telling myself and the whole reason why I wanted us to take time to meditate on what it means during the commercialization of Jesus' birthday to challenge you and I who live at this time in this country that we would be reminded it's all about Jesus. Amen? Amen.